Welcome back to the Encounter Radio Show with Bill Reeser on 99.1 FM Life Changing Radio WJMM. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the finished work on the cross, what it means to uh, become a follower of Jesus. And yesterday we kicked off part one of becoming a purpose driven person, talking about the life of David and what it's like between two bookmark statements of his life. Uh, the uh, it says in Acts 13.22, after removing Saul, he made David their king, and he testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's the, fir that's the first thing ever said about David. And the last thing ever said about David, recorded in Scripture, says this. After David served his generation, according to the will of God, he died. And in between those bookmark statements, David had some big failures. But he gets off to a good start. He defeats the giant Goliath. Tune into yesterday's show, listen to the podcast, uh, and he's off to a good start. And like our personal giants that we've been feeding for years, many of us are never aware of these subtle yet deadly phases and seasons of our lives that all have the ability to destroy our lives. And here's the, predict the predictable pattern that complacency leads us down. It starts out with being complacent, and that leads to confusion. And confusion leads to compromise. And, the comp and compromise always leads to catastrophe. See, David had a major catastrophe. And so let's talk about each and every one of these four phases. First one, complacency. See, giants start lurking when we get complacent and comfortable. See, you're either running to the cross or from the cross. And before long, complacency will have you drifting from God. See, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. And there's no taking a time out. You never reach a place where, you're, where you think you have arrived. You never arrived. You're always growing in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And complacency will lead you to a place where you stop praying, you stop getting in God's word, you stop going to church. I, I, I hear so many, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. You know, and, and, and they're not growing, and, and they're not taking their discipleship very seriously. And if that, and that's you... I'm telling you, complacency will always lead to a place called confusion. In this place, we begin to rationalize and play mental games with ourselves. We say things like, well, maybe that giant really wasn't all that bad. Maybe I can handle it by myself. I'm just in a better place now. And in this phase, we start to lose discernment and good judgment because those are the first things that disappear when we stop running after God. Psalm 111 Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. See, those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of him, a deep reverence for him, and a sincere commitment to obey him because of the gratitude that they have. And if you don't allow head knowledge to translate into heart actions, then you can turn into a spiritually educated fool and find yourself in one of these deadly and lethal phases of destruction because complacency and confusion then lead to compromise. When we get to this phase, we typically return to the risky situations that got us in trouble in the first place. It could be the bar, the mall, the porn site, the ice cream shop, enabling the person you love, suppressing your feelings again, bursting out in anger, abusing those closest to you, or allowing the abuse to continue. We go back to those unsafe places like the gambler who says, let's go to Vegas just to see the shows. Let's go to, to the bar because appetizers are half price during happy hour. 
And when we place ourselves back in those old environments, we're most likely going to make poor choices. It may begin with just little compromises, but it won't be long before it all starts to unravel and all the ground that has been gained is lost because we're feeding our giant instead of defeating them like we talked about on yesterday's radio show. Now, let me add a serious symptom of, comp- of the compromising phase. Often when you are making compromises, you are making unhealthy comparisons. When you are making unhealthy comparisons, you are making cheap, cop-out, codependent critiques so you don't have to work on you. When you let denial convince you that you don't have to work on you, you look out for any cop-out critique of any person, ministry, or church. You say things like, I don't have issues like those people. And the more you compare, the more you compromise, and the more your giant of denial gets bigger and bigger until you're so confused you don't know which way is up and which way is down. All because you're not focused on you and allowing God to heal and change you and grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Which brings us to the fourth phase And that's catastrophe. But the thing we really need to understand is this. Catastrophe is not the disaster. The catastrophe is simply the destination that complacency, confusion, and compromise is always going to lead us to. And when you study the life of David, after he gets off to this great start with killing the Philistine giant, he gets detoured, like so many of us, and finds himself in a catastrophe phase. So here's what happened, and many of you are familiar with the story. Now up to this point, after he defeats the giant, and after he overcomes the attacks of Saul, he becomes king of Israel, and there's, like I said, there's no other king like David. He's unstoppable. He's a force to be reckoned with. So here's what happened, and most of you are familiar with the story. David is hanging out on his roof one day, and David sees this girl named Bathsheba taking a bath. Now the name Bathsheba in the original language means oath and voluptuous. I think you can get the picture. David, once he locked eyes on this girl, he had to have her. David has sex with Bathsheba. The Bible doesn't say this, but obviously David is quite potent because Bathsheba gets pregnant. And David has her husband killed because that's what every man after God's own heart who served his generation according to the will of God does, right? He has her husband killed. But that wasn't the catastrophe. You see, not only, not only does he get her husband killed, he goes on a two-year cycle of running away from God. I mean, just a sick cycle of denial, of fear, anxiety, and running away from God. But that, that two-year, that adulterous affair, that murder, uh, I mean, we're talking about a, God, a man after God's own heart here. But look at how it all started. That's not the catastrophe. Here it is. In 2 Samuel 11, 1, 2, it says in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But watch this. Here in the next five words. But David remained in Jerusalem. Doesn't say why he remained in Jerusalem. He just stayed back. If you were a king, it was your job to go out on the front lines and lead your armies into battle. That's what kings did back then. But for some reason, David decided to take a timeout from the fight. It's what so many of us do. We take a timeout from the fight. It's no accident that the very next scripture finds David on the rooftop. It says, one evening, David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace, and from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And the rest was history. David's catastrophe can be found in five words, but David remained 
in Jerusalem. His complacency was his catastrophe. And if we're not careful, our complacency will be our catastrophe. That's why we got to be all in. We're either running after God or we're running away from God. You're either running to the cross or from the cross. You're either a purpose-driven person or you're not. You're either a kingdom-guided, kingdom-minded person or you're not. You're either surrendered to God or you're playing God. You're either submitted to God or submitted to your pride. You're either hot, cold, lukewarm, and God would rather have you hot or cold. Complacency and passivity are the trademarks of the lukewarm follower, and according to God, you're in danger of being spit out of the mouth of God. Greg Laurie wrote in one of his devotions that he said this, have you ever eaten something that turned your stomach? And he says, this is exactly how Jesus feels about lukewarm people. Jesus uses this phrase in Revelation 3 when he says to the church of Laodicea, I know that your works, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Revelation 3, 15, 16. See, some churches, some followers make the Lord weep. Others make him angry. The Laodicean church made him sick. What does this mean for us? Keep in mind that these words are for believers. So the question is, are you spiritually hot, cold, or lukewarm? Don't answer too quickly because the lukewarm person is often the last to know. Let's make sure that we're not lukewarm spiritually. Let's make sure that we're all, that we are an all-in group of followers. So you can be a purpose-driven, all-in person despite your mistakes, despite what you've done, despite what's been done to you. David was an all-in type of guy, and he blew it big time, but he let God take his setback and recycle it to make him a trophy of his great, of his grace. He let God use him to serve his generation according to the will of God before he died. David made a comeback because he didn't let his setback determine his legacy. So what was the turning point for David? How did David come to his senses? We don't have time to get into the whole story, but God sent a friend to bring him to his senses. David is so far gone, he has no capacity to come to his senses without the help of a loving friend. This is why I love what we do. Because at Encounter, we're more concerned with what you need to hear than what you want to hear. I love the amplified version of Galatians 6.1. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit, are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. This is what Nathan does for David. And out of that encounter, David confesses to Nathan and then repents to God in Psalm 51. And here's his prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me? is just. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Remove the stain of my guilt, and create in me a clean heart, O God. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, and restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. You know, that may be the best example of what repentance looks like, and what repentance really is 
And if you're listening to the Encounter radio show today, I want to remind you today that there's nothing that you could have ever done in your life, nothing, murder, having had an abortion, abuse, multiple murder, it doesn't matter what your sin is. God's not shocked at your sin. And there's no sin that God can't forgive. There's nothing you could do that could ever make God stop loving you. God has loved you from the beginning. He loved you before you were created. He loved you when you were born into planet Earth. He loves you now. He'll never stop loving you. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Isn't it time to realize that despite all that you've done or despite all that's been done to you, that all God ever wanted in your life was a loving relationship with you, with you pursuing him as much as you pursue, with him pursuing you as much as you pursue him. The Bible says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the only thing that made sense to me was to run that hard to God as I ran from God for the first 36 years of my life. You know what? I'm still running. Except I'm not running away from the cross. I'm not running away from God's love. I'm running to God. And whenever I I do something and I mess up, God's love still chases me down. God's love still brings me back. I mean, who can say no to a love like that? I want to challenge you today to surrender your life to that love. Open up your heart to Jesus Christ, to the forgiver of your soul, the forgiver of your sins, the lover of your soul, the one who's never stopped loving you, the one who's not shocked at your sins, but wants to take away your sins, take away your shame and your guilt and make you a trophy of his grace. Thank you for tuning in to the Encounter Radio Show.